Welcome to Great Minds. And our guest today is a longtime friend. Uh, we met through the good graces of someone I reunited with today, actually earlier, Russell, Bob Safian at Fast Company, and he and Christine back in the day. I think it was at one of their uh, salon dinners that, uh, that we met probably at least a dozen years ago. And uh, Russell is the president of Live Nation overseeing all of their global media and sponsorship. Uh, and uh, it is a joy to have Russell Wallach live here on Great Minds. So welcome, Russell. Well, I guess, Matt, by saying that we're old friends is just uh, answering the first question that, yes, we are old. Uh, but uh, great to uh, great to chat with you. And, you know, we got to see each other in person a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, congrats on everything that uh, that you guys are doing. And you reminded me I have to check in with Bob and see how he's doing these days. Yeah, he's doing great. He's doing great. So, uh, uh, Russell, there's so many places to start with you. You have such an interesting and in many respects unusual career in that you've sort of been at the same place in different iterations for a very long time. But I thought what we would start about, give or take 11 years ago, we went to an event together. The Friars was honoring Smokey Robinson. And Mary Wilson was there and Nora Jones and uh, Otis and uh, the others who now are in The Temptations. Uh, and your dad was there. And I remember the way your dad looked at you and the way you looked at your dad. I didn't have that kind of relationship with my father. And I remember being a little envious and really happy for you and envious in a good way, uh, not in a bitter way at all. Um, but I'd love to start by talking about your dad and, and, and early influences. I know you went to UMass, but I want to go back to earlier in what he and your mom instilled in you um, and, and just get your early remembrances and start with your dad. Yeah, that was a, that was such a, a fun, fun time. And you were, you were such a, a gentleman to have, uh, invite, invited us. Uh, well, it, it's funny because most of, uh, most of my experiences, uh, as a kid were related to, uh, to sports and uh, a lot of disappointments is uh, growing up uh, a New York Jets fan. So uh, we went to uh, a, a lot of a uh, lot of Jets games, and we've talked about that over the years. Uh, so you know, really had a tremendous passion as you know as a as a young kid from uh, you know for sports and 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 going to games and actually you know, kind of seeing the, the power of the fans. And, you know, I always loved being there in, in the middle of uh, the action. And really, you know, from a young age, I, I had this dream of working uh, in, in the sports business, probably like a, a lot of young kids. And I realized I wasn't a good enough, a good enough athlete, um, but had a great passion for it. And then um, quickly, uh, learned, which, you know, I got from, you know, my parents, you know, kind of the, the, the hard work, um, you know, kind of keeping your word, uh, you know, and really, um, you know, treating people um, with respect, uh, you know, it was really, really paid off for, for me over the years. And hopefully that's, you know, my reputation, you um, out, out in out in the marketplace, but you know overall, 
I, I just love that business. And that's kind of where I started my career was, was in sports and really thought that um, that was going to be my trajectory. Um, did that for, you know, for about 10 years or so. And then Matt had the opportunity, you know, back in 99, 2000, there was a consolidation of the sports and music business. And uh, we were acquired at the time, a company I worked for, ProServe, we were acquired by SFX and they were acquiring concert promoters and uh, sports management companies. And uh, I thought I was going to continue on this road in sports. And all of a sudden I realized that there was a tremendous opportunity on uh, the music side of the business that they hadn't historically done, you know, sponsorships um, like what was happening on the sports side. They weren't thinking, you know, national and global in nature. There was never a platform. And I saw this opportunity and uh, literally jumped, jumped at the opportunity, kind of created, created my own job description. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, have, uh, have, have never looked back, uh, you know, 21 plus years later. Fantastic stuff. So let, let's not skip through all this because you mentioned some companies and there were some names uh, in the history of our business that if guys like you and me don't talk about them, they'll be lost. ProServe was a hugely influential company. Back in the day, it was IMG led by Mark McCormick. It was ProServe led by Donald Dell. And they were the they were the two lions of that business. There was Advantage. There were a few other players, but it was really IMG and ProServe. Talk about that culture. Was that your was that your first job out of UMass or was there something in between? I had a couple. I, I did had a small stint selling uh, season tickets for the Phoenix Suns. And then I had uh, an opportunity to uh, work in minor league baseball. Uh, class 18 for the Chicago Cubs, got to do a little bit of everything. And then, yeah, and then I, I got uh, a job at ProServe and was with them for about 10 years. So, uh, you know, worked for, for Donald, uh, who's still active in, in the tennis game. Actually, I spoke to him uh, a couple of months ago to, to, to catch up. But yeah, you know, it was, it was an amazing time. I worked with um, some really brilliant uh, people who have all gone on to do amazing things in the sports and other industries, um, you know, and we, we were involved back then in a, a wide range of sporting events, tennis and beach volleyball and um, college basketball events. And we represented everyone and anyone that you could think of from, a, you know, and on the tennis side, it was, you know, Ag, you know, from Agassi and Michael Chang and Pete Sampras to back, you know, going back to Michael Jordan and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So it was a really, uh, really amazing time that, that you know, loved, loved work for the company. It's actually what brought me to uh, Washington, D.C., where where I still uh, still live today. Uh, so, yeah, great, great, great memories from that. And it was a you know, great uh, 10, 10 or so years of my career got to work on a lot of different things. And that's really where um, I, I got to fully learn the, the sponsorship business on more of a global uh, basis and able to start to work with brands um, doing some very interesting things. And that's also where I realized that, 
the decision makers that were or you know were deciding whether it was you know doing ads in the French Open or you know doing an endorsement with a uh, major tennis player. Those were also the same decision makers that would be making these decisions on the music side of the business. So it was a pretty easy transition. Um, and uh, again, I was uh, fortunate to be able to make that move back then. So you have this 10 year, you have this great 10 year run at ProServe and you then sort of evolve and create your own job as you described it on the music side and saw an opportunity. Do you remember, was there a pivotal moment or, or something that triggered that sort of idea in your head, Russell, that you could see where there was a future for you on the live entertainment side from the sports side? Yeah, I think I, I started to get to know folks on the music side, really, um, you know, loved uh, just getting to know them, starting to work with them. And I think what I realized was that there was literally a blank canvas on the music side. You know, there was still a, a lot of restrictions, a lot of rules about how you do things in pro sports, you know, pro sporting events um, with professional athletes. And um, there was all of this opportunity in the music space because things had never been done there. Uh, there isn't a governing body. And so I thought that... Um, it'd be an opportunity for, opportunity for me to be a lot more creative uh, and also the opportunity to really build out uh, a team and you know, kind of start from the ground up, figure out what we need, um, build, out, uh, build out assets, figure out inventory. And uh, yeah, so I just thought that it, there were, could be a tremendous business opportunity for me and it would really give me the opportunity to flex some different muscles and, and really learn a whole new industry, which, which that part of it was, was very exciting for me. So today you sit atop of uh, the Live Nation enterprise that entertains, give or take, 100 some odd million people a year. Uh, started relatively modestly, iterations as SFX, then Clear Channel Entertainment, then, of course, Live Nation uh, what it is today and it's been for some time. Talk about the evolution of that and what it was like in the beginning. You know, you're very unique, Russell. Most people today jump around, you know, they'll have six, seven, eight, nine, ten jobs, you know, by the time someone and you and I are about the same age. You've been with one company largely for a very long period of time and you've had a chance to see it go and grow almost from the beginning. So again, reminding me that I'm old. Thank you very much for you're that. You know, I, the, I, I, I share your oldness, my friend. Yeah. Um, so, so look, Live Nation went public in 2005. I've had um, you know the the opportunity to work for our, our C, CEO Michael Rapino basically from from the beginning, and uh, you know he's just given me unbelievable opportunities to grow, um, challenging me to come up with new ways to, you know, generate revenue, um, the budgets to hire new people, build, build out new skill sets with, within my team, you know, start with kind of a U.S. centric and, you know, now, you know, looking at global, um, you know, we're so, so from a platform standpoint, 
you know, he's, you know, you know, he's, he's had the vision to, to truly build something that is global in nature, right? 150 plus festivals all over the world, um, right? From, you know, the US to China, Australia, Brazil, um, uh, 40, 35, 40,000 shows a year. So tremendous scale from small club shows to, you know, the biggest stadium tours, uh, the biggest artists in the world. So, you know, we've built this, Live Nation has built this unbelievable global uh, platform. And, you know, and every year there's, there's something new, whether it's partnering with new festival promoters, um, looking to build, uh, you know, new new ventures like this year, we invested in a water company that was worked on by my by my team in Liquid Death. So you think about it's been you know uh, twenty plus you know years I've been with what is the you know kind of the music business, the former Live Nation, fifteen you know a little sixteen years since we've gone public, but every year is different. Every day is different. Um, the types of brands we're working on, uh, working with, right? Uh, today, you know, 10 years ago, there was not something called <laughs> hard seltzer. <laughs> there was not something called cryptocurrency, right? The way brands are activating um, is different. The, the, the way that we've been able to, I just got, got back from uh, our Bottle Rock Festival in Napa Valley. And this was the, the, highest end hospitality that you could imagine fine food incredible wine beautiful sweets and then of course yeah you know you had some of the biggest bands in the world on the stages um that that's just something you can't replicate uh and that experience and so we're just constantly building these new experiences uh you know we've got an just an absolute amazing team. We've got about 400 people now on our team globally and just the, you know, the smartest, hardest working um, people in the media sponsorship business. You know, obviously that's my opinion, but I think we're, you know, the absolute best in the world, creative and strategy and insights um, and, uh, you know, developing experiences and experiential. So we're doing everything soup to nuts and, you know, again, I, I give the credit to, to Michael to um, give me the, the direction, the focus, the resources um, to, to be able to go out and, and, and build it. And, uh, you know, you can't ask more from, uh, from a boss than that, which, you know, again, that, that, that gets me excited every, every day. So the common thread is passion for the live experience. A hundred percent. And that goes back. Uh, we also share a history watching the Jets uh, not achieve on the field. I, I think that's a nice way to say that. It's a new season. <laughs> it's a new season. We must hold out hope. Uh, and that passion has guided and been with you your whole tenure at Live Nation. At the same time, we've seen a rise in technology that sort of almost coincides with the start of your tenure there. It was right around that time that the digital age all those roots started to, to flower. Talk about that navigation of technology and how that impacts what you do 
is at end of day, it's still about the live experience. And, you know, when we were together a few weeks ago, weeks ago at the concert in Central Park and seeing, you know, Carlos Santana on stage with Wycliffe and Earth, Wind and Fire and Andrea Bocelli and, you know, that passion of live, you cannot replicate that. You can talk technology from today till tomorrow, but it has to have had some impact on you and your planning and your team. Yeah, so I think it's a combination. I think technology as well as me, right? media has changed so much. And media has been a big driver, especially social media in our business, right? Whether it's influencer, influencers or TikTok or Instagram, you know, being able to use, you know, Twitter, others, right? Being able to use social media to extend those experiences beyond the couple hundred thousand people that are at that festival or, you know, 30, 40,000 people that are, are, are at that amphitheater uh, show. I think from a technology standpoint, uh, you know, absolutely innovation is, is key. Um, you know, we're spending a lot on in innovation, obviously, you know, kind of post, uh, you know, the last year and a half kind of came out as we're back to live shows. All of our venues now are cashless, um, which is, you know, an innovation we were working on pre, pre-COVID. And now it's just, you know, we've been, you know, getting everything ready so that when we, you know, get back to shows, everything could be cashless. Um, you know, during, uh, during COVID, uh, while our business uh, from the live standpoint did shut down, um, we had already been we already have been doing a number of things virtually, but that only elevated the types of things we were doing virtually. We obviously streamed a, a, a lot of shows. We uh, experimented a lot with virtual meet, virtual meet and greets with artists, which went really, really well. And then we made a, a, an acquisition partnership uh, during COVID um, with Veeps, which is a streaming company that was uh, started by uh, Joel and Menji Madden. Um, and so that's been a, a great new launch pad for us to, um, you know, get really into the, the streaming business. And, you know, we believe that, you know, streaming will be a uh, big business for us as we uh, get, get all of our shows back as we look to 2022 and beyond as a great adjacency to the live show maybe maybe matt you weren't able to make the show for whatever reason um but now you know you'd be able to sit back on that comfortable uh couch of yours and watch it on the big screen tv in your living room so again those types of things we wouldn't have been able to uh, contemplate you know 10 or 15 years ago that now uh, all of that is right at your fingertips and so it sounds like it's just giving you sort of more tools in the toolbox. That's it, right? It's all about tools. And look, innovation, um, you know, lots of different types of innovation. You know, artists are always going to be innovators. They're the creators um, of the, the most amazing content in the world. Um, so they're going to be innovating every day. Their stage design, their show production, I think, for us on the business side, you know, a lot of our innovation is being driven by brands. What is it that they're looking to do? How are they looking to connect with audiences? 
and for us to continue to ideate with them to come up with new ways, whether that's through better targeting so that we make sure that we know that, you know, Matt is a fan of this artist or Matt is a fan of this type of experience. And we're able to, um, you know, get you get the right, you know, brand to connect with you in, in, the, in the right moment in time. So we're focusing a lot on, you know, what we call the fan journey. Um, and that's if you think about it, Matt, kind of from the time that you're searching to buy that ticket. I know you're a huge, you know, music fan, but, you know, you go on um, Ticketmaster to search for that ticket to buying that ticket. And then everything that happens all the way to going to the show to you're leaving that show, right? And we want to be able to continue to come up with ideas, integrate brands in a way to enhance that experience. So whether you want to use your Hilton points to pay for that ticket, whether you want to call your Uber to get you to the show, we want to make that experience as easy and frictionless as, as possible and bring brands into the mix uh, as part of that journey. And I think that's something that, uh, and I, that's not me, that's, you know, I've got an incredible team that are, are, you know, that's what they're spending their day thinking about. And the more we can do that, right. That's just one of the things that we find brands are, um, really leaning into. The other part I would say, and you know this because you've been in the media business for such a long time, that we, we've never had uh, historically the sophistication on the measurement side. And we've brought in you know, some really brilliant people and data scientists and great product people where, where we really now built models together with our brand partners so that we can measure the uh, not only the the brand lift and brand love, but we can actually take it all the way down to the purchase. We know that Matt came to our venue, and you know, hopefully, we can now you know demonstrate that Matt actually you know bought a hotel room uh, or you know bought a, uh, a a beverage at one of our venues. Um, or, or actually afterwards went to the supermarket. So we're really, really focused on the measurement aspect of it. And so we're building a bunch of, uh, in some cases, proprietary technology to do that, in some cases working with some brilliant uh, companies that do this so that in end-to-end, we can demonstrate to brands, it's not just a you know, it's, it's not about a sign. This is about moving sales, right? This is about butts and seats. Whatever the KPI is, um, we're, we're just laser focused on being able to deliver uh, for, the, for our brand partners. And again, a lot of that comes down to technology, innovation. Again, not my area of expertise, but fortunately, um, I've been able to hire some brilliant people over the last couple of years to figure this out for us. So you talk about the journey of the fan, but what you're also doing and your brilliant team is doing is you're taking brands on a journey and you are doing some of the most creative, innovative stuff in all of marketing. Let's, let's go beyond entertainment marketing or your you know, former, if you will, uh, 
platform working in sports, you're doing some of the most innovative stuff anywhere. Talk about what goes on in that Live Nation engine room when you're putting together some ideas. Where do they come from, Russell? Does the brand often come to you with a particular challenge or a problem? Uh, or you know, does it come through an agency? Take us into that engine room and and I want to talk about the evolving role of agencies as part of your ecosystem, but take us into that creative engine room, how you and your team go about creating these incredible programs for your brand partners. Yeah, no, thanks for saying that. Um, so uh, it, it happens in a lot of different ways. I, I, I think where we see the best ideas is always going to be um, on the collaboration side. So brands that are, you know, are, are, that we're working closely with that develop um, fantastic briefs uh, that we can then really spend the time to work on together to build out, you know, deep programs. So in some cases it's happening that way. In some instances, um, we've got really creative brand partners that are coming to us with uh, with a fully baked idea and they just need us to uh, execute it. And then in some cases we're going proactively. Again, we've got a, an incredible uh, creative and experiential team and we are um, pitching and presenting everything soup to nuts from what the, what the social campaign would be all the way to uh, how we would bring it uh, together um, on site. And look, we, we, we try to, uh, we want to just be a valuable partner to the brand. So if they would like us to do everything soup to nuts, we're, we're happy to do that. If they've got an amazing, and we work with them, if they've got an amazing experiential agency that all, that, that, um, they already work with, then we'll just coordinate, um, any pieces with, with, with that agency. If they've got a social media agency that's already doing fantastic work and understands the space, then we'll work with those. So we'll work with everyone um, in the best way that makes sense for, for their business. We're not protective. We know that we don't have all of the ideas. We're not going to have all of the solutions. And so we're open. Um, and I think that makes us that makes us unique. Um, we need to continue to be self-aware that, um, you know, whether it's a brand manager or the CEO of a company or an agency, there may be good ideas that can come from a lot of different ways. I think what we have, the unique secret sauce is that, right, we know the Lollapalooza Festival, right? better than anyone. We know the site, we know the experience, we know the fans, we know what they react to. And so I think even if the brand is coming with an idea, we do our best to kind of help them think through how to bring it to life in the right way um, for that audience. Because you can't talk to all audiences the same way. And so, you know, your experience and what you're going to build at Bottle Rock in Napa Valley that maybe is targeting a slightly older demo than, uh, you know, a younger oriented uh, festival, right, as Lollapalooza. So 
uh, two different types of audiences. Brands want to be able to touch those audiences. In some cases, the same brand, you know, they can talk to 20-year-olds and 35 or 40-year-olds for their products, but you may want to show up in a slightly different way. So we help, we help the brands think through that. And again, whether we're coming up with the ideas of, of how they should come to life on site, or, you know, if it's them or their agencies, again, we, we just want to make sure that going back to what you said before, we are in the experience business and we've got to make sure that whether it's Matt or, or one of your kids coming to our events, that you both have a, a, an unbelievable experience. You're both interested in different things. We need to make sure we have the experience for both of you. You know, one of the reasons why companies are successful, it's an obvious one, but one that often gets missed is you hit on it exactly. Nobody knows Lollapalooza like you do. If somebody wants to come and do something, you're the right company to talk to because you know it from soup to nuts, every inch of that place, you know. We've watched for years the advertising business, agency side in particular, swing and miss trying to be in the entertainment business. There was a colossal you know, fuck up with Densu and uh, Michael, was it Mike Lang, the Woodstock folks? You know, $30 million went out the window, something like that. And I just remember, and I knew those people and liked them, but I remember saying there's another case where an agency tried to be in the entertainment business and pretend and got their fingers burnt. Talk about how you work with the agency community. Are they helpful to you? Are they collaborators? Do they hinder you sometimes? And, and where do they fit? I know mostly you're working directly with brands, but I'd have to imagine the creative and media agencies end up in the mix every now and then. Yeah. So as I said, I would say that the majority of our business is probably brand led, um, you know, versus maybe a lot of traditional media companies where, you know, because, our, you know, our, 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 our proposition is, is different, right? So um, we're not going in leading with media. We're going in leading with the live event, and then we're building in media and promotions, experiences, loyalty, all of these things that are wildly important to a program. So, so traditionally, it, it's brand-led, but I would say in almost every instance, the agencies are getting involved, whether it's on the media agency side or experiential or creative. Um, and I, I, I think we work well with, uh, with everyone. And that's, look, that's the job of a, uh, somebody on our, our side of it, right? We have to work with everyone. You know, we're not looking to compete with agencies. Um, but again, you know, the majority of our business is, uh, is brand led. Um, not just, you know, there, there are definitely some examples over the years where we work closely with an agency to come up with a really big idea that we've then either they've sold in or we've sold in together to a brand. And that, that's also um, worked. I think, you know, look, the, the, the mistake, I think probably agencies make sometimes um, is that they think that they can do everything. And as I said before, at least my position is to the team is look we have to be we have to have to have to be self-aware let's know what we're best at 
Let's know where we need to partner. And I think we are great partners. We actually partner with a lot of media companies because I recognize in some cases, brands may be looking for a type of reach that maybe we don't have in our toolkit. And so let's partner with some you know, great companies in the media space to help extend the messaging beyond uh, our owned and operated ecosystem. And again, I want to think that you know, those companies, media companies that we partner with would say, hey, Live Nation is fair partner. Um, we're, we're both in it to deliver for whoever the brand is. And I think that that works uh, really, really well for us. I think, you know, again, mistakes that I think in general, whether it's a media company in some cases or an agency, is that they sell in that they can do it all, but they're not actually great at doing it all. And in a sense, they, they're, they're ending up, you know, outsourcing a lot of it anyway to third, third parties um, because they don't actually do all the heavy lifting. Right. Um, we have the ability, we can do all the heavy lifting if the client wants us to, or if they, you know, if they want others to do that, then, then again, we, we play ball and, and we're, we're fine with that as, as well. Right, which I think has been so key to your success. So let's talk about some of the hits. I mean, you personally are on every, you know, billboard list every year, fast company list, <laughs> you know, as an individual, a highly decorated, I might add. Uh, but let's talk about some of the hits that you and your team have put together and some of your favorite partnerships over the years. I've seen everything that you've done from things that were really high end and small and intimate to things in a festival environment where your brand partners really are given an opportunity to break through the clutter and make a real impact that helps grow their business. Any particular ones, Russell, that stand out and says, that was really clever, that really worked? So look, there's, a, there's, look, there's, there's so many. Um, and again, you know, I think uh, in some cases, um, you know, brands are coming up with, with those ideas uh, on their own and we're just there to help support them. I think, you know, Bud Light has done some great things with their, you know, seltzer, Bud Light seltzer sessions. They actually brought that concept to Lollapalooza, um, created, I happened to be there, create, they created this incredible experience and then they surprised um the fans and they did a surprise performance with Machine Gun Kelly, right? So, so that's where a brand did, I think, a, a tremendous job of um, doing a, a, a real surprise and delight for the fans. And look, that was something that they came up with that idea. That wasn't us, but so I give them a hundred percent of of the credit. I think you know one of the one of the programs we've been very very proud of over the years um, is our city sound vault um, program, which, which we launched with the insight that, you know, during, um, you know, Grammy week as an example, uh, you know, it's really the industry people, right? It's people that are on the inside that get the tickets to the events and the exclusive parties. Could we create something for just the regular fans that love artists. And so we created this, you know, platform, I don't know, four or five years ago. 
and every year during um, the Grammy week, we, you know, we popped up, you know, in, in LA at, um, at the Palladium as an example. And we brought the biggest artists in the world to, to that, you know, stage of, you know, 3000 plus people created an amazing experience. And the tickets were all just for fans. So all of a sudden giving fans access to something that they would not ordinarily have seeing some of the biggest artists in the world that play in stadiums and arenas. And all of a sudden they're playing in a 3000 person room during Grammy week. So that's something that, you know, we really built on over the years um, that we were able to continue to ideate on making it better um, every year. So that's a program that, uh, that, that I've always loved and, that was kind of, you know, co-created, you know, with, with our partner uh, city. So that would be another good, good example, I think. Great. And Russell, you have a, also have the unique vantage point that it's a true global perspective. Are there things that are happening in certain parts of the world where they might be a little ahead of us, a little behind us doing something a little bit differently in terms of how that intersection of live entertainment, passion and brand building, where that all coalesces, are there things that are different in different parts of the world in your observation? I think in general, um, you know, and I talk to, um, you know, talk to my international team, you know, every week. Uh, So I think in general, uh, from a, you know, overall media and sponsorship team, uh, standpoint, things um, are, are, are in many cases similar. What I would say, you know, like take the festival business, right? The festival business had been going on in Europe, right? Um, way before the US. And so there were, there have been lots of incredible examples over the years where we've taken great ideas that we've seen happen in different parts of Europe. Um, and, and how brands activated certain festivals. And we've been able to take those ideas, if you will, um, and pitch them back uh, here in the US as fresh new uh, ideas because nobody had ever done anything like that before. So love that. I also think you know, on a brand level, um, more and more we're working with brands on a global basis. You know, Somebody like Hilton, who's been a, a long time a partner, obviously a tremendous global uh, brand. We've been able to do really, you know, cool things with them, whether it's experiences for Hilton honors members in all different markets around the world, really creating these unforgettable experiences. So, you know, we've seen, you know, both brands more than ever start to think a bit more global. And that's again, right, that's a unique Uh, position for us because we're, you know, probably, you know, I don't know, maybe half of our business or so is outside, you know, the US, right? We have a tremendous business in the UK and Australia, um, across pretty much every major company in Europe, Brazil now, um, you know, where we have Rock and Rio, and then we're really building up a a tremendous business um, in China. So, you know, really seeing the business growing significantly uh, globally for us, selling tickets everywhere in the world. So that's really kind of helped uh, helped uh, me and my team just from a brand perspective, because there's not 
a lot of places a brand could go um, to truly hit a global audience, right? And so that's helped. And again, you know, um, whether it's uh, ideas that we can kind of take from our team in Australia because they've done something unique. And now it's actually working the other way where, you know, we've got festivals to be launched, you know, in 22 and 23 that are, are going to be built off of the success of what we've done uh, with Bottle Rock in Napa Valley, right? So that's the beauty of a global business, I think, in general, that there's there's learning and ideas and, um, you know, different approaches in, in all of these uh, amazing countries uh, that, that we work in. Fantastic. And talk about the ramp up and coming back uh, live. You were so kind uh, through your good graces. I got to take my family to see Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga a few weeks ago at Radio City. And the joy to be amongst 6,000 some odd people sharing that communal experience, you can't beat that. There is nothing like that. And it's not only the two hours or so of the show, but it's the looking forward to it. It's the journey as you described it. And then that a month later, you're still thinking about it and talking about it. All that passion bottled up, not only for fans, but also for brands. And now you're back on the racetrack. The venues are full, the bands are playing, the audience is there, the brands are there. Talk about that journey and what are you looking forward to? And give us a, a look into the crystal ball for 22 and 23. Yeah, so uh, the good news is US, UK, our, our, you know, our venues are open, our festivals are, are selling out. I think, uh, I think, Matt, we did about 8 million fans in, in August, uh, attended shows where I think we're on that pace uh, for September. So um, fans are coming back, as you could imagine, huge, tremendous pent-up demands. So that's really, really positive. Um, you know, beginning uh, October 4th, all of our owned and operated venues are going to um, require either COVID vaccination or proof of a negative test within 72 hours. So I think for, you know, for people that want to come back, um, that's going to make people feel even more comfortable. Um, so we think that that's going um, really, really well. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of shows moved from 20 and, and early 21 to 22 and 23. So, you know, we expect one of, uh, the, you know, the greatest touring years um, in history over the next couple of years, 22 and 23. Uh, lots and lots of, uh, you know, artists have already started to announce tours for next year. Uh, you know, you'll, uh, of course, over the next couple of months, see a host of others announced for, for 22. So we're going to have a, you know, ma massive year um, as we look, you know, to 22 and 23 from a touring perspective, um, you know, across our, our clubs and theaters, our amphitheaters, arenas, stadiums all over, you know, all over the world, as other parts of uh, the world, you know, continue to um, open up uh you know we just uh denmark is open i got some emails from my team in sweden that they're opening i think it's next week or maybe it's this week so you know we're starting to see that happen which is which is really really exciting 
And we're seeing brands. Um, and the one thing I would say that's been uh, one of the things, Matt, I, I've been most proud of over, over you know, the last almost two years now is that close to 90% of our partners have stuck with us through all of this, whether we ended up moving things to virtual or we moved our contracts to the back half of, you know, 21 into 22, that they, they stuck with us. And, you know, one, you know, I think that that's because um, they, they know how important, you know, live music, live entertainment is to their customers. They recognize the pent up uh, demand. And hopefully they also realize that um, we've, we've been and will continue to be great partners that we're, you know, we've been very, very flexible over the last, you know, 18 months to two years as we all figure this out together. And the fact that they've stuck with us and that they know that, um, you know, we've had a, a rough go at it, uh, you know, for, you know, for, for over a year. Um, and some of them had an even, you know, rougher go at it that together we were, you know, we're going to get through this has just been tremendously rewarding. It's, it's, it's made us that much closer with our, our partners. And it just gives me the, um, the, 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 the sense that, you know, we're going to just be doing some incredible things together with our partners in, in 2022 and beyond. And hopefully we'll do a bunch of uh, award-winning work that, uh, you know, you'll want us to uh, be talking about at Advertising Week all over the world, uh, wherever you guys uh, are. I know it's growing by the, uh, the week. Listen, that, uh, thank you. And, and you know that we always want you on stage, but I, I think what you're saying and you're being humble, it's the ultimate testimony to the way you and your team treat your partners that they've stuck with you because they do have other places they can go and spend their money and that they're choosing to stay with you and Live Nation and, and your ability, whether it's your idea or executing someone else's working collaboratively, you deliver for them. And that's why they're with you. And Going back to where we started the conversation, you know, you keep your word and that is your reputation, Russell, and that's your team's reputation. And, you know, that you can see where it all ties together from that early breeding, if you will, to the job that you've done and what you've instilled in your team and how you treat your partners. So uh, that's a testimony to you. No, I, I appreciate that, Matt. And, and look, you know, we've kept our, our uh, you know, every month we were doing tracking studies. So we were sharing deep insights, you know, with our partners through all of this. And, you know, they know, you know, I mean, all the stats, you know, 90%, you know, of the fans, you know, feel that, you know, they need to experience, you know, real rather than digital life and that they're more excited than ever to go to live shows, um, you know, even before the, the, the pandemic. And one of the, the, the great things that, uh, and great stats that, that we, we talk a lot um, to our partners about, and we just, you know, we, again, we're do, we track this every month, but, you know, 85% of our of our fans would feel loyal to a brand if it helped make their experience at a live music event better. So it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about for you know the last 45, 50 minutes here, right? It's all about the experience. And what what I think we're great at 
um, is you know helping um, the brands and leading the brands to those ideas, right? That are going to enhance that experience for the the fan. And the payback is tremendous in terms of loyalty and brand love. And so that's something that you know again, and it's nothing against TV ads or any other ads, but when you enhance somebody, when you can truly enhance somebody's experience, um, that's going to go. That engagement level is is absolutely uh, off the charts. And I know, and I'm sure you know you you know that from you know everything you see when you you know when you do various events and stuff around Ad Week and other things you've done, where you kind of see how people react you know, when they can be a, truly a part of it and when, when, the, when the sponsors are really doing some cool stuff and making that experience just a little bit. Oh, and listen, those are the memories that stay with you. I mean, we've had probably 2,500 some odd thought leadership seminars on our stages around the world over the last, give or take 20 years, uh, some incredible uh, moments. But, you know, if you say, okay, flash, give me one, you know, I go back to that night we did with you with Avicii at the old Roseland, you know, years ago. And that place was absolutely on fire. And the passion of the, of the people, you, you can't replicate that in any other environment other than live music. And, uh, you know, that was just one of many incredible nights that we've had, you know, on the music stage, but that was, that was a good one, Russell. We did a good job that night. Well, I, I would say Matt, nobody can replicate your memory for uh, events because it's like, uh, it's, it's amazing to me how you remember all, remember all this stuff. Uh, there's, 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 there's not a lot else going on up there. So uh, <laughs> good. Well, thanks so much for doing this. It was an absolute joy to talk to you and, and hear a little bit of your story. And uh, uh, I didn't know about the sports marketing background and history till our crack great minds research team dug into it. And I think it's a great story. And you, you took a lot of that stuff and you, you built something that's incredible. That's, you know, still firing on all cylinders and going and growing. And you got a lot to be proud of. I appreciate it, man. It's always good to uh, see you, talk to you. And, uh, you know, I appreciate everything that you're doing for the, the business and the industry and, have you, uh, you know, always uh, looked, uh, looked to help me out over the years. I appreciate you.